Today's episode is with Sean Jezik, who's in his fifth season at Catholic High School of Baton Rouge in Louisiana. In that time, his team has been to four state championship games with wins in 2017 and 2020. Coach Jezik has served as the linebackers coach and the special teams coordinator. Before coaching at Catholic, Coach Jezik received an MBA and an MA in sports performance psychology and has brought many of these tools to his team and campus. I've been able to talk to Coach Jezik about some of these things over the last couple years, and he was on our virtual summit, which we did in 2020, doing two sections on performance psychology in football, and I will put both of those as a bundle uh, and offer to save on them. I think they're great for this time of the year. As you've settled into uh, camp, now into the season, you want to start to look at what are the things that I can do beyond the X's and O's, beyond the playbook, to get my guys to perform, especially on game day and in high-stress situations. And so today, Coach is going to talk about next play speed, and we'll share more about how you can get these resources after this. Here's Coach Sean Jezik. Uh, a little bit. And so uh, for those of you guys that, that maybe didn't see the replay or didn't join uh, with us last week, uh, a lot of stuff that we talked about where it was a lot of performance arousal uh, and regulation for, for players going into it. talked about finding a number um, and, and trying to regulate whether they were too hype, uh, too calm, or, or whatever they needed to be uh, as far as competition goes. And, and talked about it uh, primarily from a pregame uh, experience, which, which we feel uh, is wildly important. Um, different opportunities and things like that for, for coaches to check into players, players to check into themselves. Uh, but obviously, uh, as, as many of us know, if you've ever been part of a football game before, uh, a lot of that pregame stuff uh, can go away very quick. I'm, I'm special teams coordinator at Catholic High School. Very excited to be in that position. Uh, kickoff, kickoff return, uh, oftentimes can set the tone for those first moments of the game more so than anything you do in the pregame is. So I wanted to be able to go through uh, and talk about some stuff um, that we also encourage our athletes at Catholic to do uh, as far as in-game adjustments. And, and we're talking about different terms. I'm going to show you some different slides uh, that we give to our athletes to talk about how to kind of regulate that stuff when, when something goes bad or even if something goes well, how to try and turn around and, and transition into what we would call, you know, the next play. Uh, and when we talk about next play speed with them. And so I'm going to start with that, talk about some things that coaches can do to kind of help uh, that process out as well. Uh, I have to ad admit early on the next play speed is, is not something that I came up with. Uh, I've got here in the little the huddle notes. Uh, I hope you guys can see that. Uh, but, a, but a classmate of mine at, at John F. Kennedy when I was getting my master's degree in this, uh, Graham Beckhart, uh, actually uh, created a lot of stuff. And, and if you're a, a basketball coach on here, if that's your second sport or if you're interested in that, that I encourage you to go check out Graham's uh, YouTube channel. It's called Play Present. Uh, he does a really awesome job. Uh, he works with some NBA guys. Uh, you know, he's working with, with Zach Levine right now. I, I guess they're working on the horse challenge that they're doing on ESPN. And so he's really the A student. You guys are getting the B student today. Uh, but I hope that that's okay with you guys. Uh, but, but Graham uh, kind of created this idea once he, once he left school and, and I was able to grab some materials that he was putting out there. Uh, but talk about next play speed as, as far as how do you transition um, from, again, a success or failure uh, of a play uh, into the, the next play. And, and in football, that's really clearly defined for us as far as, you know, the whistle blows, the next snap uh, of the football, so on and so forth, uh, really easily defined. 
Uh, but again, next play speed is, is talking about those things. And in basketball, what Graham talks about is, is even within a play uh, or even with the clock running, um, you lose your dribble. Now you got to get back down on defense. You get the rebound. Now you're trying to go down uh, and score. And he does a really good job. He uses a lot of stuff that Michael Jordan uh, did a lot of clips of him as, as kind of a player that was really, really good at this uh, and took advantage of the game because they were so good at it. Uh, we talked to our players about trying to capitalize on this as well. Um, success and failures of a play, if we can get back down to neutral or back down to whatever our arousal number uh, we said we wanted to be before the next ball is snapped, we're going to have an advantage over uh, the, the team that we're playing or, or whatever thing that they're trying to do. And there's a lot of stuff that goes into this when we talk about next play speed. Okay, and so some of the things that we're talking about is, is we want to encourage our players not to think of this uh, as something where they are completely flushing uh, a play or they're not trying to get rid of uh, what happened on the previous play, if it was a mistake or if it was something they had success in. Uh, one of the things that we talked to our guys about is, is there's a misnomer in football and people in the press talk about it a lot. Uh, there are some coaches that talk about it and they, there's a suggestion that quarterbacks and quarterbacks need to have short memories, right? If a quarterback throws an interception, he should forget. Uh, or she should forget that, that play or that interception. Uh, one thing that we encourage our, our players to do is, is that's false. Um, high stakes positions have a, have a high level of game adaptability, uh, which means they don't need to forget what happened. They need to adjust to it. Was it a, was it a coverage mistake? Was it a, a route mistake? Uh, what was it? And let's learn from it. We talked to our guys about the reflective practice with their arousal control um, in the same way that we want, to, we want them to remember how they felt before a game that they may or may not have been successful in. Uh, we also want people to remember successes and, flare, uh, successes and failures uh, that they have on a uh, performance field as well. Um, and so we don't want them to forget about it. We want them to keep playing on it uh, and adjust the next play. So things that we're telling them uh, to be aware of uh, and to try and adjust for is, is we talk about what the mandatory stimuli are uh, in between plays and in between things they're doing. And these are things that they have to pay attention to, uh, that they have to be aware of. Uh, and this is kind of a, a list that we put together. I tried to be really exhaustive with it, talked to a lot of players and said, all right, hey, what are the things that you have to attend to uh, between the whistle and the, and the down of one play into, all right, what you have to do for the very next play? Uh, and, and this is a list that they created, right? A situational evaluation of previous player maneuver. Basically, what did you do? What, what happened? Did they get the first down? Did they not get the first down? Uh, did they complete the pass? Did they not complete the pass? So on and so forth. Uh, physical evaluation of yourself and equipment. It, we've, we've had situations, games where, where face masks have, have broken uh, or shoes have come tied or untied or, or chest pads have broken, so on and so forth. What do I have to do for, with myself, with my equipment? Uh, going down, reaction to feedback, receptions of, of the next play call, uh, the, the offensive or defensive calls. And, and essentially what uh, we suggest to our guys uh, and, and what we've gotten back from them is there's a whole lot of stuff that you have to attend to before you move from one play to the next. And there are things that can help you to do that, and there are things that can hurt you uh, to do that. Uh, and we try and help them define these things. We try and uh, help them to understand what types of things they do that help them, again, get this really great next play speed uh, or things that hurt them uh, to get their next play speed. Uh, and kind of what we encourage them and what we've come up with is there are low priority uh, processing things uh, that cause breakdowns 
uh, between one play and the next. So I'm, I'm ill-prepared uh, for the third down play because I didn't handle second down well, or I'm, I'm ill-prepared for uh, the, the PAT because I didn't handle the touchdown well, so on and so forth. And we see this happen all the time uh, in sports it, with penalty situations, with loss of yardage, with loss assignments. Uh, but we also see it in, in just the grind of, of players who make mental mistakes and can take themselves out of a game if they're not getting the ball enough, if they're not tackling well enough, so on and so forth. And so what we talk to them about is, is, is the low priority processing things from this previous slide, right? So this list of things that they have to attend to, uh, the low priority things are, are their reactions. Uh, and we don't encourage them to be robots, uh, but what we do encourage is say, hey, you need to come into a game with a game plan uh, of how you're going to address these different things. And, and, and reactions need to be something that, that you can monitor by yourself uh, and not reliant on, on game situations, not reliant on teammates, coaches, et cetera. Uh, and the reactions specifically that we talk about are the previous play, right? If, if the guy beats you, uh, you can't fight him. Uh, that's obvious. Uh, but, but also if, if you succeed on the play, uh, then there's things that you need to be able to do. You can't spend all your time thinking about that, thinking about stats. You need to get ready. Uh, for the next situation, the next play, et cetera. Uh, you can't have reactions to feedback. Uh, I'm going to talk later on about feedback that you get from players, coaches, et cetera, uh, and how that can help and hurt players at, at different levels and different, different ways in which they play. Uh, but reactions to that are, are things that, that can get you out of being quick uh, with your next play speed. Uh, and then assignment alignment issues, right? Okay. Uh, if, if we call a blitz and you're not part of the blitz or we call a different personnel on the field, your reaction to that adjustment from defensive coordinators, office coordinators, et cetera, uh, don't have a place within this processing system if we want to attend uh, to everything else along the way. Uh, so we have the low priority issues and then we have the high priority ones. Okay. And these are the ones that we want to make sure that our players have the ability to do. Uh, and one thing that I didn't mention uh, with this list, and most of you guys are, are aware of this, right, is there's a lot of stuff going on here. Um, and, and depending on the style of, of play of your opponents or the style of play of you, right, there's a, a variable amount of time that you have to deal with this stuff. Uh, for us, it's about 18 seconds uh, between, you know, a whistle being done, a tackle being made, a whistle being blown, uh, and then the next ball is snapped, right? But there's different alignments, there's different personnel groups that come onto the field. Uh, and so very little time to get through all of those different items. And so we try and tell them, hey, there's, there's high priority processing. Uh, that we need to prepare for. We need to create rehearsals to do this. A lot of this comes from some of the visualization exercises that I talked to you guys about, about last week. Uh, and it's stuff that we've suggested to athletes for, for a long time. Many of you guys have probably used that technique as well as far as going through a play and going through a route and saying, you know, hey, I'm, I'm visualizing me putting my foot here or there, so on and so forth. Uh, another encouragement to make is, is, hey, practice the in-between plays uh, as well. Because as we've mentioned and, and as uh, Graham uh, kind of designed uh, for his basketball players is, is sometimes the next play uh, speed is, is oftentimes more important than the end play uh, speed. And so we encourage them to go through it and plan out how they're going to attend to all those stimuli uh, that I showed you earlier, right? So evaluation, what is the game situation? This is more of a proactive thing, all right? So I, I didn't make the tackle. Uh, now it's first down there in plus territory. Now I need to be able to do something about it. Or, or we didn't complete the pass, it's second down. What do we need to do? Okay, so it's, it's preparing for the next play, the scenario that the previous play set up. Uh, the reception of play calling, all right? And so we're not dealing with the feedback of the play. You know, a coach didn't call my number, uh, so woe is me. I'm going to feel bad about it. Okay, but I, but I receive the play. What do I need to do? 
for, for defense, right, that this, uh, this is pretty critical in, in my opinion. And as the linebacker coach, I try and talk to guys about doing this, right? If, if we do call a stunt, uh, then we want to get that player's number up. And we want that player to have a plan on getting his arousal level up, right? Because if he's on a blitz, he's not doing as, as much thinking as he would if he was reading the guard, dropping into his zone, things like that. And so when I receive this play call, and if my number is called, what do I need to do with that information? Do I need to be called? Do I need, is this a stunt that I bluff? So on and so forth. Um, and so we try and encourage them, hey, uh, find out how, what your plan is and find out what you're going to be most successful in this. Had a bunch of questions at the end of in the talk last week about, well, what do I tell players to do directly? Uh, and what if I disagree with them? Uh, and, and really disagreements occur all the time, uh, but it's much less about me and it's much more about them. If they design a plan that, that works, we're going to continue with it. We're going to win games. We're both going to be very happy. Uh, if, if we design something, if I tell uh, a player to do something, uh, and it doesn't work for them, then, then we both suck, right? And so uh, kind of telling them, putting the power in their hands, putting the autonomy to say, how do you want to approach your next play speed uh, is really the best beneficial quality of that. Uh, and so one of the things that we talked to them about okay, is, is how much should I react? Uh, and, and this is really positive and negative direction, right? Do we want to be uh, the guys that celebrate and party and celebrate? And, and that's fine uh, if it is. I tend to be more on, on the left side here with, the, uh, uh, with the, the meal can and, hey, I'm just going to work every day, but, but I'm not fun at parties. Uh, and, and so guys that play with us, some of them really like to have that flair. And if they can handle that uh, and if they can deal with everything they need to for the next play speed, uh, then, then more power to them. Um, if it's something that they, they need to be kind of this lunch pail type guy showing up to work every day, then we encourage them to do that in the positive situations as well as the negative situations. Same way with the energetic, right? Because a lot of guys do play well with emotion. Emotion can be a driver for them. Uh, we talked about last week, emotion, arousal, all those things are, are heavily interrelated. Um, and so whatever your players see as uh, the best situation, the best advantage for them, uh, encourage them to go for it but to do so in a consistent manner and something that makes sense for them. And again, if you disagree, uh, and this came up in the questions last week, then you can always go back to the tape and say, hey, you, you know, you thought you were 85 Bears, uh, celebrate a, a whole lot in this situation, uh, but then the next play, you, you blew this assignment or you blew this alignment. Uh, and so let's talk about it and let's try and redirect how we're approaching those situations. What feedback am I going to relate to? What feedback am I going to try to understand? Uh, what feedback am I not going to try and relate to? But one of the things that we, we give to our players to try and suggest how to do this uh, is, is we try and make the suggestion of, of get back to your image. All right. And so there's things that go on in the game that, that take you out of your arousal level or your uh, preferred feedback methodology or your uh, whatever mindset you want to approach in this sort of uh, tackle whistle to snap of the next football. Uh, and so one of the things that, that are tools that we've given them and, and tools that, that have been around in the performance psychology world for a long time. I didn't create any of this stuff, uh, one of which is, is thought stopping. And it's exactly what it sounds like. Right. If you're having a, a negativity, you're mad at a player, you're mad at yourself over the next play. Uh, the easiest thing to do, or I shouldn't say the easiest, but one of the preferred things to do is, is to tell yourself to stop thinking about them. Uh, and my text is covered up a little bit here by my, my bad meme. Uh, but one of the things I encourage players to do is don't always flush the bad. Uh, and flush is a term that we use in our program a lot. Uh, and, and it is something that's good, and this is not forgetting. Flushing, uh, there's a difference between the two. Uh, we don't want to forget 
uh, things that we've done or plays that happen on the field. Uh, but we can flush emotions. We can flush feedback, instruction, et cetera, uh, that were associated to that call if we're moving on to the next thing. Uh, I, the defensive coordinator that we have at Catholic High School uses, uses flush a ton, uh, primarily because our, our defense can be pretty variable within games. And there's rules that we have when we line up in a 4-3. There's rules that we line up in a 3-4. And, and, and flushing information as we're transitioning between those two things uh, can be really important. Uh, but things that happen to us on a field are things that keep us out of um, our, our certain arousal or regulation that we want to be in. We don't necessarily want to flush all of those things. What we encourage them to do instead is, is don't let yellow mellow. Uh, and it's kind of a crude joke and it's something that I, I kind of you know, keep to just position meetings and things like that. Uh, but, but essentially what we're saying is if there's something that's really negative going on, if there's a player that's gotten under skin, if there's a player situation, a, a official right, made a bad call or something like that, and it's totally outside of your control, right, uh, get rid of it if it's something that's extreme. Uh, if it's something that's just, just hindering under, under the surface, then that's something that we can deal with, and that's something that we can sort of, of process and work through. Uh, and that's when we encourage them to do the, my tool here, key the re. Uh, and, and the re just stands for these three words, right, replace, uh, prepare for the next play or, or reframe my idea and my approach to what happened uh, and then return to whatever my situation needs to be. Uh, and if we can do this in 18 seconds, awesome. You get to stay on the field. Uh, if you're a guy that has a tough time doing this in 18 seconds, uh, which, you know, every coach in here probably has three or four guys on, on their team, uh, this is, you know, um, significant to or speaks to, uh, th then we got to pull you off. And we talk to our players about this. I, I, I've had many talks with my position groups about, you know, the inability to do this in, in 18 seconds. Uh, you can't be on the field uh, because those negative thoughts, those negative views of oneself, if you can't get rid of that, um, then, then we're better off with the next guy. Uh, what these words essentially mean is, is, is so replace Right. So if, if something negative happened uh, in the first play, I, I aligned poorly, I did my assignment poorly, I didn't take on the block the right way, uh, then, then, hey, we're just going to go and replace those thoughts by uh, taking over right, the mind and thinking about what the next play is going to be. There's this really cool thing that your, your memory does um, in, in your brain to try and be more efficient in its processing. Uh, and it uses a lot of what's called interference. And there's proactive interference and there's, and there's retroactive interference. Um, and when your brand is doing all this stuff with memory and trying to make that more efficient, uh, it utilizes interference to block out uh, different things that it doesn't feel it needs. Uh, and so when you start to think, all right, hey, I'm just going to replace, I'm just going to go on to the next play, uh, then, then you are utilizing some of that proactive, or sorry, the retroactive interference where you're saying, okay, I don't, I'm not worried about what happened last time, but I know the situation. I know the outcome of the next play. What do I need to do within it? Uh, reframe uh, goes along more with, all right, hey, if I just got beat by a guy, okay, I'm not a bad person. They work out too, right? We, we have the, the privilege of playing uh, at the highest level in the state of Louisiana, Division One football. And uh, we play a lot of really good teams. Uh, and there are times that, that we've got a guy and they've got a guy that's a, that's a little bit better. Um, and so if, if our guy is beating himself up all game, all right, because he gets beat on an out route, uh, you know, the, the block doesn't work, so on and so forth. All right, then, then that player is going to have a really bad game by the fourth quarter. He's going to be mentally, you know, sludge. Uh, and so we try and encourage our guys, hey, reframe the situation, talk about what you can control, uh, and get back into whatever regulation or arousal level you need to be at. Uh, and then the one that I think is the most powerful, uh, and I'm going to go ahead and give credit again uh, to a guy named Ken Revisa. He was a, a real famous uh, sports psychologist for, for a long time, uh, passed away a couple years ago. 
but he was the sports psychologist for Cal State Fullerton uh, baseball, which any college baseball fans in here uh, have definitely heard of that school. Really, really good powerhouse um, down in the Southern California area. And, and Ken Revisa worked with that team and he worked with a lot of major league guys. Uh, and he put a lot of focus on centering. And, and what this tool was, uh, was this was a way to sort of make sense of conflict uh, and to instead of allowing your, your brain to to get too wrapped up uh, in the situations, the competitive environment that you're in, the, the bad things that have happened to you in a sporting event or the good things that are happening to you in a sporting event. Uh, he, he sort of talks about using this tool and, and encourages players to use this tool called centering, which was a way to get back to base. Uh, he's got a great YouTube uh, video out there. I don't have access to it right now. Uh, but if you look up Ken Revisa and Evan Longoria, there was a sports center special that talks about because he was working with him for, for a while and talks about Evan Longoria when he walked into the batter's box. Uh, if he wasn't having a good game at bat or if he was having an incredible game uh, and just needed to get back to his, his center uh, or be mindful of the experience that was going on, he would encourage Evan uh, to look at the top of the left foul pole. Uh, according to Ken Revisa, and, and, you know, again, I'm not a, a huge baseball guy. I like to watch it. Don't know a whole lot about it. Uh, but, but would make the suggestion that the left, top of the left foul pole was in the same spot in most all major league stadiums. Uh, and so if he made that his center point, uh, then every time Evan looked up at this, it was a reminder to him and a suggestion that, hey, I need to get back into my game. I need to return to uh, my level of play, whatever I've prepped for, whatever mindset I need to have uh, in order to do whatever it is I need to do, hit the curveball, fastball, whatever. Uh, in football, we have plenty of these, right? We, I know our program talks a lot about every football field is, has the exact same dimensions, the, the uprights, you know, unless you're crossing state lines. Um, in some situations, the, the, the crossbar is always in the same spot. The, the uprights always in the same spot. Uh, and so it's something that I have done with, with players in the past as far as saying, hey, if you feel like you're overwhelmed in a game, take a look up at, at the, uh, the top of the uprights and let's return back to it. And it's a, it's a mindfulness exercise because it's saying, hey, you know, my environment around me is, is changing. It's not what I wanted it to be. Uh, but how do I get back to being in control of myself? How do I recenter uh, myself? Uh, which I think is, is, is a super valuable tool. If you guys take anything uh, from using this, I encourage you to do this. I use this uh, in games all the time. Uh, I actually use the American flagpole as, as my centering point, uh, which means I got to find it pregame in, in a, lot of, a lot of places. Uh, but centering is really great. I, I feel like it has a lot of helpful, like if you're in a game, uh, where things are not going your way. We play a team uh, every season that, that can absolutely light up the scoreboard. And as a linebacker coach, it, it hurts uh, playing them uh, because we feel like we have a really bad game. The, even though the, the weeks before that might have been good, the weeks after that might be really good too. Uh, this team's just really good uh, at offense. Um, and so a lot of times it takes a lot of mindfulness activities to, to recenter and say, okay, hey, you know, we might be down 14, we might be down 10, we might be down whatever, uh, but we still have a game to play and we still have things that we want to do. Uh, while I'm here, uh, I'm not a huge fan of, of the halftime speech that it's at zero to zero because uh, quite often it's not zero to zero. Uh, and if you're down 10, if you're down 14, you have to have a plan for it. What I encourage instead is, hey, recenter yourself, evaluate yourself and suggest okay, that, that you're playing into a game uh, and then get back into it. Uh, this was a tool that I used a lot. I didn't have a lot of belief in it early on, uh, but I was fortunate enough in, in my graduate program to work uh, with some incarcerated youth, uh, which centering was, was monumentally important for these guys uh, because they woke up every day, looked at prison walls, uh, and, and you can't you know, muscle up to a prison wall. Uh, and so centering, being mindful, or hey, this is the situation I'm in, what am I going to do? What am I going to make of it? 
uh, was a really strong tool for them. So that's kind of what we encourage uh, our players to do. Uh, and one thing that, that I've, we've talked to our coaching staff before uh, about some of this stuff, and, and the rest of this is going to be kind of tools uh, that I think are valuable for coaches uh, to use, but also to share with their players as far as saying, hey, these are the tools that we're going to use. This is the type of feedback that we're going to try and give you guys. I feel like if the players are empowered and they know uh, the approach that you're going to take, uh, then they're much more receptive to it. Uh, primarily with this slide, this is my all-time favorite slide that I've ever made in my entire life. Uh, I, I love showing this to, to the guys on our team as well uh, because they love it uh, and they giggle about it all the time because if, if you're in education right now or if, if you're – uh, going through some of the, the educational psychology of today, right? Everyone's been real big on this compliment sandwich uh, for a long time. Uh, and, and I'm not anti-compliment sandwich uh, at, at all points in time, but I just think that in competition, uh, it's not the best way to go. And so I, I talk to them about it, throw the slide up and say, hey guys, like, look, compliment sandwiches are, are soft or in our program pedigree. Pedigree is the, the worst insult that you can give somebody uh, in our program. Um, and say, say, hey, you know, these are no good. Um, and, and, and then back it up and give them reasons that it's no good. Uh, so when, when we're talking about next play speed and we're talking about 18 seconds uh, between, again, tackle uh, and next ball uh, being snapped, uh, is this is not an efficient way to give feedback during that time frame. Uh, and, and especially in, especially if you're at the high school level, uh, which, which I'm assuming, you know, most of us in here are, I, I certainly am, uh, the, the compliment sandwich is not what we typically think about as compliment sandwich. You know, in, in school we talk about it and it's, you know, a slice of bread, big piece of meat and another slice of bread. Uh, and, and really, or I'm sorry, a flat piece of meat, uh, but really it's this ice cream sandwich uh, because, right, the, the good things about a player at, at the lower levels that we're on uh, are far outweighed by the stuff they can build on. Unless you're just playing with, with dudes all over the field and then you don't need this talk. Uh, but, but the, the feedback, the negative feedback that we oftentimes try and hide or package, uh, with this compliment sandwich is, is significantly thicker, uh, than the compliments that we can give our guys. And so we, we talk to them about it we say, Hey, look, you're not going to get a lot of compliment sandwiches from us, uh, because it's an inefficient form of feedback. Uh, we'd have to tell you a bunch of different things, uh, and, and things that don't matter as much to you or don't matter as much to us or the competition or whatever, just so that we can package, uh, this instruction, uh, that we're giving you. And so, so we're not going to go with this, this type of feedback. Um, we're going to try and come up with a different uh, methodology for it. In my experience, the compliment sandwich you know, is something that's good. You know, when it's not competitive settings, it's not hostile environments. Uh, in hostile environments, though, the, the only time that I've seen the compliment sandwich show up as something that is efficient, uh, and this goes into management, uh, as well, and in business practices, uh, the people that really like compliment sandwiches are the people that give them right? Because it makes you feel better about delivering this message. It doesn't help the athlete. And, and a lot of times in competition, that's the most important part of it. Definitely some very interesting information and details there from Coach Jezik. I think, again, looking at this time of the year and what can we do to really get that edge is that we fine tune our players. So what we took from all those X's and O's now we start working on the human side of these things. Certainly, we're going to continue to refine what we do on the field. We want the mental side of the game, too. And I think Coach Jezik did a great job of boiling that down and putting it into something that is usable for us and something that we can go on and pass on to our players and teach them about as well. Uh, his talk, this particular one, which was part two of a two-part, 
as well as part one will be available in a bundle. I will put the link to that in the show notes and you can save on that one now on CoachTube. Uh, I'll also put a link on coachandcoordinator.com. Follow all we're doing this season. Follow me on Twitter at Coach K. Grabowski.